Hello and welcome to Helpline in Focus. This is where we take the time to explore parenting topics in greater depth. I'm talking deep dives into challenges like fussy eaters, non-sleepers and tantrum throwers. We've all had some of those. Each Thursday at 12pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, we'll invite one expert from Babyology's Parent School to join us live on Facebook. You'll be able to ask your own questions either live or through the Facebook help group. See the links in below this video or in the notes of the podcast. And that chat will then be podcast the following Saturday. Today, we're talking about breastfeeding challenges with midwife and lactation consultant, Karen Sharon. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hello, guys. Really well. Very excited to be here. Oh, it's lovely to have you because um, I guess uh, before we jump into the questions, Karen, we can sometimes think that breastfeeding is just going to be easy, natural, all the pictures look like, you know, it's just intuitive, but it can be quite challenging, can't it? I sure can. Um, so I, I, I like doing the analogy. I'm also a, a pregnancy yoga teacher and I, I like doing the analogy with uh, yoga. So yoga is uh, simple, but it's not always easy. And uh, similarly with breastfeeding, I think that applies to that as well. A lot of uh, you know, um, similarities there. Yeah. yeah, it's a great way of putting it. Um, look, let's jump into it. We've got a question from Sam in Brisbane. Yes. Sam says, I'm 34 weeks with my first baby. Should I start expressing colostrum and will this help me get my boobs prepped for when baby arrives? Also, is there anything else I can do to prepare? I really want to breastfeed and I have heard some questionable advice on how to get ready. And it's a wonderful question to ask a midwife. So thanks a million, Sam. Um, I'll uh, start by saying the simple answer is yes. So there are things you can do, um, but there are also, it's absolutely fine not to do them. So don't feel any pressure to do or not do something. Um, generally speaking, there's some very um, a strong recent evidence that suggests that um, expressing some of your colostrum from around 36 weeks um, might, might, uh, make a difference to your supply later on and might even make a difference to prime you for labor. So um, I would say if that's something you want to try and do, that's an awesome suggestion, um, an awesome thing to do. I would not go any further than maybe five or 10 minutes, maybe maximum of twice a day, starting from 36 weeks. Um, you might find a few things happen. One is with expressing, um, you would uh, potentially find your cramping in your uterus. So your womb would be cramping a little bit. And if that's a concern for you and it's painful, please stop. Um, you might also find that you're expressing a very small amounts or maybe larger amounts of colostrum of that uh, early milk. And that milk is um, super beneficial for baby. We call it the liquid gold. Um, I would really, really recommend if you do indeed express any volume, keep it, store it, um, maybe in a little syringe, maybe in a little um, ice pack or ice cube uh, container and keep it in your freezer. And so when baby comes along, you, can, you have a little bit of a stock ready in advance for your baby. Um, as I say again, 
in terms of that antenatal expressing, it's um, um, not a recommendation we necessarily say to all women. Uh, but if you know things are not happening for you in terms of getting into labor, why not give have a go at just stimulating your breasts, expressing a little bit using your hands. So I would not recommend at this stage using an electric breast pump or even a hand uh, pump. Um, I would recommend using your hands just to express and massage your breasts. In terms of other preparations, um, I would say getting familiar with your breasts is really uh, good to do while you're still pregnant. So you probably noticed your breasts have changed a little bit in shape, in size, they feel heavier. Some of us have uh, itch or discomfort around fullness and, and um, some discomfort around the breast, even already in pregnancy. Just get comfortable with feeling your breasts with touching them, um, feeling, are they feeling any different? And that kind of helps us later on feeling comfortable because as midwives and lactation consultants, we touch our boobs all the time and most <laughs> breastfeeding moms um, will as well. So you'll know, oh yeah, this breast is full. It's the turn. It's my turn to feed on that breast or turn to feed baby on the other breast and stuff like that. So just get familiar with how your breasts feel and um, look, um, I would say at this stage. So that again, assumes everything is well in normal in your pregnancy, um, everything is uh, good and well, and you're aiming for a normal birth um, experience. Yeah, why not? Okay, I have two questions myself to follow on. Yeah, for sure. So could uh, stimulating that breast milk actually induce labor? Is that what you were saying before? Yeah, so uh, interestingly, the same hormone called oxytocin that us midwives love so much, um, the same hormone called oxytocin that we are releasing um, as we release breast milk, as we uh, make love, as we do a whole host of really, really fun activities, is the same uh, substance that also uh, acts on the muscles of the uterus and make that um, uterus contract. So there's um, a, a possibility definitely to bring on um, or maybe speed up or prime what we call prime your body for labor by having a little bit more flow of that oxytocin hormone. I hope I'm not going into too many chemical details here, but uh, basically, yes. So for women who are uh, going overdue and, you know, the threat of an induction of labor is upon them, um, probably nipple stimulation will not harm and might, might do some good in terms of getting you in labor. Yeah. Right, but it's it's not dangerous so long as women are doing it from about 36 weeks. 36 weeks, which is why, yeah, I think, um, Sammy, you're 34 weeks. I think it's a bit early now. Um, I would I would hold off until about 36 weeks. And um, if there are any other complications through your pregnancy, uh, please talk to a medical co um, professional or a, um, your midwife uh, just to see that indeed it's appropriate for you. Yeah. And the other one I had was Sam mentions that she's had some questionable advice on how to get ready. I know. I know that um, in my mother's generation, they were often told to toughen up their nipples through mm. some pretty horrific Gosh. things like sandpaper and, oh, I just shudder to yeah. think of it. Um what do you think of those kind of practices? So, look, I'm driven by recent evidence. Um, if there was evidence to support it and it's recent, I would probably um, say yes. Um, at the moment, I have not seen to, to this day any evidence around use of any roughing of the nipples. Um, one light little exception to that, and I hope, Siobhan, I'm not going into deep, too deep. Um, women who tend to have an inverted nipple or a flat nipple, a nipple that doesn't protrude that much, 
much there is flimsy but existing evidence that using breast shells, um, so you buy them in pharmacy, they're medical grade kind of plastic or silicon, um, breast shells can help the nipple kind of protrude a little bit more and shape itself maybe in preparation for uh, breastfeeding. So this is maybe the only exception where I've seen some recent evidence that might be worth looking into. Yeah, so don't help. use the sandpaper is the ultimate thing. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I think that, yes, sunlight, sandpaper. I, I, I've heard of women um, doing that rolling thing on the no, oh, no needed, no. not needed, really. You don't want to damage your nipples um, ahead of breastfeeding. You really want baby to have the, the best pick um, when they come out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that one up, Karen. Uh, the next question comes from Louise in Auckland. She says, hi there. I have a six-week-old baby and I have just got my period back. I'm worried it has started to affect my supply. She was feeding for long periods of time and now she seems to finish much more quickly. How can I back it up? I am exclusively breastfeeding. So firstly, well done, Louise. I'm really like touched every time I hear of a mum exclusively breastfeeding. That's fantastic. Um, I want to say a few things before we go into your question. And that is at around the six week, most babies will become a lot more efficient and effective at feeding at the breast. And therefore the feeds are likely to be a bit faster or take a little bit less time. So by and large, I'd expect everything is normal with your baby having um, gone through that milestone. Well done of the six week. Um, um, probably her feeds or his feeds are a lot more efficient and uh, they get what they need within less time. Um, Obviously, you're monitoring baby's output. So you're looking at the poos and the wheeze. You're looking at baby's weight and seeing that baby is gaining weight normally and just put your mind at rest. Um, Chances are everything is normal. About your um, menstruation, um, it is rare, it is possible, but it is rare to start menstruating if you are exclusively breastfeeding as early as you're describing. I would uh, suggest as a midwife, like with my midwife hat on, I would suggest that a fresh bleeding at the six week mark for an exclusively breastfeeding woman would be warranting a look at a medical um, review, just because maybe, maybe, um, I don't know, but like to me, it, it seems a little bit, um, uh, could be abnormal, but um, so it might not be actual period. It might not be, um, it might be something else. And, you know, God forbid, it's anything like that. Even if it is your period, women will continue to breastfeed and sustain and support their supply for babies um, quite uh, and, and like with no difference whether they're menstruating or not, whether they're ovulating or not. Um, we tend to believe that uh, the breast milk will have a different taste. So some babies might be a little bit resisting at the breast kind of thing because when you're um, uh, menstruating, the hormones that are running around are a little bit different and that can affect the taste of your breast milk, not necessarily the supply um, and then just like a little bit aside and I think I'm going to come back and back and back on that same thing if you're concerned with your supply put baby skin to skin um, feed baby more so encourage baby to have more vigorous feeds kind of and and uh, by creating more demand and all that skin to skin um, activity with your baby you will um, generally support your supply and have that uh, increase for you. So a lot of mums do worry that their babies aren't getting enough food. And you, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, they, the babies will get more efficient at feeding. Yeah. At six weeks, is there an, a certain amount of wet nappies that show they're getting enough supply? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks, Yvonne. I was kind of going to go there and then I said, no, I'm going to shoot all these numbers. So generally speaking, at around the six-week mark, you'd expect baby to produce six to eight heavy wet nappies a day, um, more by and large. So pretty much every time you feed, you will have changed the nappy and there'll be um, some uh, urine there. Um, in terms of poos at six weeks, uh, you'd still be expecting one poo a day that would look yellowy, mustardy, uh, fluorescent, kind of um, <laughs> not, not that smelly uh, because you're breastfeeding, uh, but um, one or two poos a day. However, I have seen babies who are absolutely normal and will poo every three days or four days, and that's also normal. So, you know, somewhere in between that, and then when they do produce a poo after four days, it is a um, an explosion yeah, through. Maybe. Yeah, you've been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So that output um, is a really, really good measure from um, like our gauge, if you want, for us when we're breastfeeding to see, yeah, yeah baby is getting um, obviously is well hydrated and her, uh, her, her uh, his or her output are really normal. Mm. Yeah. Our next question comes from Mel on Facebook. She says, mm. "Hi, I have a five-month-old. She has exclusively breastfed, but we are finding she's getting frustrated with a slow letdown." Mm. Um, uh, what can I do to help this? Okay, wonderful. So I was just, thanks a lot, Mel, for that question. I was just at the conference, spent a whole day looking at letdown. Um, and the simple answer uh, is pretty much standard um, that any lactation um, person will tell you around any breastfeeding issue. It's about positioning and attachment, uh, particularly around the five months mark. Babies tend to look away. They will get really distracted with everything around them. Um, and so try and see if you can feed baby in a really quiet environment maybe in, in a room that's away from other people and uh, pay attention to that feed, stimulate her uh, to feed uh, longer. Um, the uh, letdown evidence suggests that there's a really, really big variance um, between women. So there will be women who will let down most of their breast milk within the first minute or two, and some that will take seven or eight minutes to produce the same amount of letdown. Babies, by and large, are geared to adjust to that. And and it is just about offering them the opportunity um, uh, to, to, to have the time at the breast that will provide them the supply they need. Um, so there is not much you can do. This particular conference was uh, talking about some research on oxytocin and nasal spray. You might or might not have heard about it. The evidence seems to be mounting in favor of oxytocin nasal spray to help with speeding up letdown. However, there's been some research that said a little less and some research that said a little more. So I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say run to the pharmacy or to your doctor and get an oxytocin spray or syntocinone spray uh, prescription immediately, but that might be something you might want to consider um, uh, if, if indeed you're concerned with um, the letdown or whether it's slowing down. But it's a wonderful question mel very timely <laughs> thank you this question the next question comes from helen in sydney mm. she says i have a two week two week old baby and it still hurts like hell every time he latches the pain lasts about 30 seconds and then subsides but i thought it was supposed to be painless by now 
So Helen, um, I think you had um, sore nipples and tender nipples are um, very, very common. Um, uh, indeed, as you say, and I fully respect the fact that you're still breastfeeding baby, despite this immense pain, um, I'm getting a lot of comfort from the fact that you're describing this pain subsiding after a little while. So uh, that tells me that it's probably uh, a positioning and attachment kind of angle that we can take here. Um, but, um, you know, it, it is um, not, not to say that um, I'm trying to invalidate your pain. It is very painful when it hurts. Um, and for 30 seconds is a long time. And also, you're probably right that for the majority of women within a week, they will have, um, you know, those initial pain and discomfort issues on the nipple will have resolved. So you're right to kind of be wondering what is happening. Um, I, um, I, I, I was kind of looking and then thinking for myself, um, other than like the straightforward positioning and attachment matters, um, I can't really offer much. I think it's worthwhile having a professional look at the anatomy of your baby's mouth um, to see what, um, you know, the, the anatomy of your baby. In the meantime, if you wanted to, you could try hand expressing or maybe using a pump to express some of your breast milk before you put baby on. Give baby a little bit of your breast milk so that if babies and some babies are uh, very vigorous initially at the breast, he, he or she have um, a, a little bit in their tummy and they're a little less kind of um, fractious and frantic at the breast and they might approach it with a bit more gentleness. So that might be something that helps at least in the meantime. Um, but I would definitely, you know, try and look at what you could do um, um, uh, with a professional like a lactation consultant or an Australian Breastfeeding Association person um, to, to see what comfort measures or what can be uh, going on there. One last thing I want to say is the evidence is very, very strong on how soothing your own breast milk is to your nipples. So once you've finished feeding baby, um, maybe express a few drops and dab that on your nipple, let it air dry. Um, it is um, extremely soothing to the nipple and really helps address discomfort. Um, and I've also heard and I'm comfortable with recommending lanolin or pure um, 100% lanolin uh, ointment or cream, um, again, to put on your nipples after you feed, um, you might find that that helps soothe the nipples um, um, ahead or, or after feeding. The um, lanolin cream has the advantage of that uh, you don't need to uh, wash it off or um, rub it off before you put baby on, so it's safe for baby to ingest if they are. Yeah, hopefully that helps. I'm, I'm, I'd love to help more. I think I would really want to see what is, um, what is happening with you and the anatomy of baby and the positioning and the attachment before I kind of give any further. Hopefully that's okay now. So um, Karen, with the, yeah. so you mentioned two things there. You mentioned um, attachment, but also the anatomy of the baby's mouth. Yeah. I know that you could give um, Helen advice in terms of attachment just from like a, seeing her on, on a live video like what we're doing now on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the anatomy of a baby's mouth, um, I'm, ima I'm imagining you're thinking of things like tongue tie. Mm -hmm. Where do mums go to have that checked? Is it the GP? Is it lactation yeah. consultant? Where should they go for that? 
So um, GPs um, are probably a second line of uh, defense for that, lactation consultants. If you do, if you are in touch with um, an early childhood health center in your area um, and, and the, the nurses there are quite often quite adept at locating if there is any restriction around the tongue. Um, there are um, some babies who have a really high palate. And so that can again be assessed um, uh, by an early childhood health center um, uh, person or lactation consultant. Um, and uh, yes, I, I know we're talking about online. Um, if we were to do a consultation online as lactation consultants, we would want to have the baby very close to the camera. Sorry, moving my fingers, <laughs> really close to the camera with the mouth wide open to be able to assess whether or not there's an anatomical uh, question here. Um, most of those do resolve uh, by themselves, and it's a very temporary kind of answer that we would have uh, for that. So, baby's mouth will grow and um, things will get better. Um, Helen, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Keep, yeah. keep at it and, uh, yeah, don't despair. <laughs> yeah, don't despair. Hang in there. I, I know for both my babies I had a lot of pain breastfeeding. Mm. Um, I just think my son was super hungry and he had mm. a tiny mouth. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I feel your pain because it, it really does hurt. Mm. Uh, this next question comes from Rose in Tamworth. She says, yeah. I have a nine-month-old baby and I'm wanting to night wean her. Any mm. tips? So uh, wonderful uh, question again. I'm very, very proud of your questions, guys. So at around nine months, most babies, and I'm talking about babies who are thriving, whose weight is normal, who are developing well, so who are healthy, uh, most babies really don't need uh, feeding overnight. So I know I, I'm saying that, and then within myself, I'm thinking of my four babies, maybe one kind of didn't feed until 18 months, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the theory says <laughs> that um, a really a winning um, from any feed overnight night is um, definitely um, viable from around nine months. Babies uh, are, have enough stores of uh, glucose and then sugar, etc., to sustain themselves until the morning. Uh, some babies will need a what we call a rollover feed, so a short feed somewhere around 4.30, 5am, um, and then straight back to bed. So we call that's why we call it the rollover. You kind of roll, put the breast, and then uh, continue sleeping um, until about 11 months. So definitely you're very much within uh, the right um, space to kind of th think about night winning. Um, the uh, advice um, I would um, I'm now giving is probably based on uh, my being a sleep consultant or a um, uh, sleeping and settling uh, consultant as well. Um, I would uh, suggest by stopping the night feeds, you would want to resettle baby overnight. Make sure her sleep environment is really conducive to her staying asleep, um, and resettle rather than offer the breast. Um, she will protest. She will um, say what's happening. And you will just uh, say, I'm really sorry, but this is the time for you to stay in your cot, um, to be settled. I'm here for you, but I am um, not necessarily uh, offering you the breast. Um, a few tips around that as a lactation consultant, wear your partner's shirt. So wear a shirt or something thick on yourself so baby cannot smell as much of your breast milk. So they get stimulated by this breast, um, the smell of your breast milk. And so maybe wear something that belongs to somebody else who sweated um, in the gym or something. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> something, <laughs> um, something where baby is not necessarily associating uh, with breast milk. So just be uh, kind to her. And I found some parents for a temporary period 
Europe had offered um, a sippy cup with maybe a tablespoon of cool boiled water. Um, just if babies, you know, showing you signs that I am so hungry and this and that, and could she be hungry? Yep. So just try a few, um, a few, um, you know, a tablespoon or so of water overnight to try and see if, um, if that helps them, you know, soothe them and uh, maybe hydrate them if you feel that it's a concern. Generally speaking, within three nights of persisting with that, um, you should, um, if, all, if all is well, you should really find baby has um, um, has weaned herself, as you say, off the, um, of the night feeds. Um, lots of praise during the day, lots of extra feeding during the day, particularly um, um, at the breast, but also solids to just kind of give, give the baby a uh, comfort and uh, soothing um I think I remember with my son, but he was my second. And when I was night waiting him, I just, I just said to my husband, your turn. So, uh, so I just didn't go in. I just, I yeah. can't do it. It's, it's this, he will not be settled by me. So mm. you have to settle him. And so he went in and I didn't have to do, deal with it. That's very true. She <laughs> That's very, very true. She it's not always a luxury we all have. So I'm no. kind of, uh, okay, kind of saying that. Um, what um, I would say though, as a lactation consultant, if you have been breastfeeding overnight, you might find your breasts are really engorged and full uh, overnight. And so it might make sense for you to express a little bit just for comfort overnight rather than feed the baby have um, um, you know express a little bit so we don't um, create any blockages or uh, issues um, in, in your breasts <clears throat> if you are kind of uh, you know relatively dramatically stopping night feeds yeah yeah okay well good luck with that Rose um, <laughs> question comes from Bernadette in on the Gold Coast she says mm -hmm. I have been exclusively breastfeeding my boy since he was born and now he's 10 months old. Suddenly, I really feel my supply has dried up. Mm -hmm. I used to be able to pump a couple of bottles for him, no problems, when we were going out for a few hours or leaving him with Nana. Now I struggle to get 20 meals from one pumping session. I'm devastated as I'm putting him in daycare next month and I really want to send him with expressed milk. How can I boost my supply? Is it even possible after so long? That's a really wonderful question. It touches on the whole host of passions of mine. Uh, one of them is uh, combining breastfeeding or, or um, breast milk and work and paid work or work outside of the home, outside of um, contact with baby. Uh, definitely possible. It definitely needs an effort. Um, the um, overarching kind of um, message I will say is babies at 10 months will feed a lot less because they're um, uh, taking solids and therefore you, you will not really um, be necessarily needing um, as, as much a supply. And the second overarching statement is that the best breast pump in the world will not compare to you feeding baby directly at the breast. So uh, be assured baby will be a lot more effective, a lot more efficient at, uh, at uh, draining your breast and at obtaining all the supply they need um, if they need it. So um, just, just kind of to reassure you on both these fronts. Um, the uh, things in terms, terms of troubleshooting for the particular scenario you're uh, suggesting would be uh, a couple of things. One is the breast pump that you are using and whether or not um, you're using the right uh, pump kit size uh, for yourself. So we know in the course, over the course of our breastfeeding career, um, our nipples will actually change. If you probably remember your nipples at age 12, they look nothing like your nipples after breastfeeding three or four babies. And so, <laughs> and so, 
so no. <laughs> and so um, take a look and see whether or not the uh, pump itself that you're using is um, the kit itself is um, adjusted and fitting uh, your nipple. And so that your nipple is not rubbing too much on the shaft of that pump kit uh, while you're pumping or on the contrary, is it, is, could it be that the pump kit is too big and it's not drawing enough um, with using the pump? Um, it is really important not to go to the extreme kind of thinking, oh, yeah, I'm pumping more because I'm using it at uh, the strongest setting. Um, um, in fact, that's not right. So you might be causing yourself harm and damage and not really uh, effectively drawing the milk. Also, with um, pumping, if you want to help yourself and your supply, um, try and massage or provide best compressions. I'm, uh, I've got this um, model of a, a booby. So it's a knitted model of a booby here. And so Imagine that there's a, a, a breast pump, the pump kit kind of attached to the nipple here. Um, as you're pumping, offer the breast a little bit of compressions. And I'm uh, just demonstrating that as gently as possible, um, massaging towards uh, gently towards that uh, pump kit as well. So um, increase the stimulation to your breasts while you're pumping can um, actually double the amount that you pump. So think about your kind of pumping technique. And if you are not double pumping or you have a hand free or partner has a hand free, um, then compressing uh, the breast as you're uh, pumping might really help um, produce more. Um, other things to maybe think about are uh, having a photo of your baby as you are pumping. So particularly if you're at work, you're away from baby, um, trying to see that the environment you're pumping in is as relaxing and comfortable as possible. So um, coming back to what uh, I asked, uh, or I was talking about with the first uh, question, the oxytocin will flow when we are uh, relaxed, when we are in that kind of loving environment. And so consider any comfort measures for yourself. That means you're not pumping on the toilet seat in the middle of a you know, the, the public toilet somewhere, um, but you are pumping in an area and an environment that is nice and relaxing for you. Take a few deep breaths and see whether that makes a difference to your, um, to your letdown and to, and to how much you're pumping. So I've gone into a lot of detail here about pumping, but I think uh, probably many women uh, would want to hear, you know, a little bit more tips and tricks around that. Oh, yeah. Uh, it can one be. last thing. Yep. Oh, one last thing. Yes, one of last course. thing. And so, to support your supply, probably most important is that the time when you're not at work, when you're home with uh, with your baby, uh, feed a little bit more. So try and offer um, a little bit more feeds um, and uh, put baby to the breast a little bit more, and you might find that helps. Um, like for the time that you're separated, you'll produce a little bit more as well. Mm. Brilliant. Well, Karen, thank you so much for your thank time you. today. We've run out of um, time to ask more questions for Karen, but as you can see, she is a consummate expert and professional sure. when it comes to uh, breastfeeding. So if you have any questions you didn't get to ask one today, you can always book a one-on-one -on -one session with Karen. Uh, just go to the Babyology's Parent School. There'll be links below this video or in the podcast if that's how you're listening. We'll be back next week talking about how you juggle more than one child under five. It completely blew my mind when I had the second, how you manage that. Um, so uh, make sure you join us for that. If you have questions for our expert on juggling more children, uh, more than one child under five, we have a Facebook helpline group. It's in the notes of this episode and on this Facebook Live. So you can click on that link and pop your questions there. Karen, thanks once again. Thank you. Big pleasure being here. All the best, guys, and really proud of you for your questions. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next week.
Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.